When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network thanking each and every one of you all who uh, tune in multiple times a week. we got new interviews released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Always appreciate your listening, uh, especially always appreciate you all who subscribe. Uh, and whether this is uh, not your first time listening to the podcast or it is the first time, hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with this. It is a great way. To, uh, to know what your favorite artists are up to, to uh, discover some new ones, and just to know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can find us at all the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, even YouTube, or wherever you're listening from right now. Just hit that subscribe button. We'll take care of the rest. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm talking with a living legend songwriter, Jimmy Buffett. He is back with a brand new record called Life on the Flip Side, a brand new record that landed him at number two on the album's chart, only being bested 
by Lady Gaga. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit and how he balances heavy subjects uh, with humor. You know, maybe when you think of Jimmy Buffett, you're thinking Cheeseburger in Paradise, you're thinking Margaritaville, but just go a little bit further into that catalog. Uh, Some of his greatest songs have talked about big topics, and that happens a lot on this record. In fact, he traces that back to the genius of Bob Marley and how the, uh, the melting pot of the Gulf area led to some of the songs on this record as well. In the meantime, during the, the quarantining, he's been playing for frontline responders online uh, and, and really believes that music is a part of social change. So that's all going to be in on this interview, as well as uh, the, uh, as he says, the uh, economical advantages uh, to being environmentally responsible. We'll also be discussing his uh, partnership and, uh, and covering the Irish musician Paul Brady, how he sings about getting uh, royalties in the, in the song Mailbox Money, uh, one of my favorite moments on the record, watching his fans tailgating online to his quarantine shows, and we'll even discuss just a little bit of his uh, favorite basketball team, the Miami Heat. So let's jump into this and discuss this brand new record, Life on the Flip Side. It's Kyle Meredith with Jimmy Buffett. Hello. <laughs> Hello, sir. <laughs> Hey Kyle, no, you, that was a great that was a great intro. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. That's that's all. It's all I'm good for. It's really all downhill from here right. as far as uh, the questioning goes. Hey, you got a uh, such a great new record, Life on the Flip Side. I know it's been a minute since we've had a brand new album from you, and uh, as you know, this is exactly I think what we've all been waiting for. You knocked it out of the park on this one. Well, well, thanks a lot. You know, I have a lot of help, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of a labor of love because we, like you said, we haven't done anything in like seven years. It's not that we haven't done anything. Fortunately, we were quite busy, but you know, between like the transitions of, of how music was being uh, sent out and the fact that I was busy working on our musical for that time, which took a lot more of my time creatively than I thought, but I, I enjoyed the process. It all of a sudden, you know, that was a five-year process from the beginning of the concept to, to it leaving broad, going to Broadway, leaving Broadway, and going back on the road. But the band we'd always been playing, and we were ready to. We wanted to do an album to go out on tour with. So that's pretty common sense in this business. So uh, we had the time to do it, and we were all charged up. We went to the Key West and did it down there because it was kind of nice to go back to where it all started in white sport coat and. We had this idea to go back there in our little studio that a lot of other people use and works for us too. So we did it in January and we got it all ready to go and uh, just in time for the pandemic. So I still thought knowing that I thought we had a great bunch of songs and also knowing that being lucky to have, have this job for so long, I know that a lot of people consider our music something that helps them get through tough times or as well as having fun. So, you know, these are pretty tough times and uh, little did we know that it would wind up, you know, being heard by a lot more people and, and be more popular. But I'm thankful for that. I'm, and I hope it helps. Hey, hey, you talk about being more popular. I mean, you landed at number two on the, yeah. uh, the album charts right, yeah. behind, yeah. right behind Lady Gaga. That was the only thing in your way. Well, I like Lady Gaga. You know, she, through it all, I've, I've been more of a performer than anything else because that was the only, you know, people weren't playing my records a lot back in those days, but I knew that I could get on stage and play. So I kind of admire people that really have performance chops as well as can write us. And she does that. And, you know, it's nice to be 73 and come in and second to Lady Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's definitely not a no consolation prize right there. No, that's no, that's I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, it makes sense though. It, it is a great album. You, you said something a minute ago, and I think it's really important to emphasize here too. You said because people do find several things in your records. Uh, one, something to turn to, and maybe trouble times, and to have fun. And that's what I notice in a lot of your older songs. It's what I notice in a handful of songs on this record too. It's almost like a very thin line that you draw. Like th this is a fun record and there are fun songs. Just have fun songs on it. You also tackle some big subjects. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I take a song like Slack Tide. And, yeah. and, and, he, and this is, I think, one of your great songwriting tricks is you're saying some big statements in here, but you always, right before it, you know, Right before that wave crests, anyway, you, you, you know, you throw a little of the beach humor in there or whatever, and you just, you know, is that something that's conscious to you? Does something you make sure that when you're writing a, a song like that? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is my favorite song on the album because, yes, I was very conscious of doing it because I, I think that, that that's the, the, the thing to me that, yeah, it had been a long time and there were some things. It was interesting because I'm a great admirer of Bob Marley as a writer as well as a performer. And... If you think about uh, the songs that, that he wrote, he was talking then about social injustices, but you know, it's one love, one heart. It, it, you know, you learn that little, that little trick and not only him, but he, he was kind of the master of taking difficult material, but making people listen to it through a song that they were kind of, you know, the messages in the, in the verses and the fun is in, in the courses, but he, he was so expert in, in doing that. And, and I always love songs like that, that I listen to. And you can find it in good songwriters that can do that. Don't beat people over the head with messages, but they, they get in sublimity. And yeah, that was totally a conscious effort because I, would, I was thinking about it that as a fisherman and in love of the ocean, even the sharks and, and red snappers swim around together slack tide in the middle of the feeding frenzy. So uh, us, us creatures that are descended from amphibians, maybe we should try that a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I even took, you know, what I took from that song anyway, everything changes, embrace it. I don't know yeah. if that's what you were going for there, but it's one of those, like, I obviously we weren't talking about what we're talking about now with the pandemic when you wrote that, no, that yeah. wasn't, you know, no one knew, but now that we're in that, like, that's what's speaking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, uh, that was uh, uh, the last line is I wish the whole wide world could learn to live. It's like Todd. That's just, you know, we can, we can learn to be, uh, be nicer to each other. Mm -hmm. e even sh sharks and snappers do it for a few <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Well, I'll pull out another uh, song too, and I'm wondering, you know, if I'm if I'm pushing too far on this one because okay. 15 15 Cuban minutes also does a similar thing to me, and I guess I'm taking this a little bit from the excellent liner notes that's provided uh, within the 64 page booklet. Let me point that out for anyone who hasn't picked this up yet. Uh, really, really good stuff because you know you talk about in the booklet uh, a melting pot. I, I think you said the Gulf. You know, this is not an American lake. Yeah, or something it, like that. Well, it's there's a great book called it's it's America's Sea is what they call it, but it's you know growing up on the Gulf of Mexico on the northern edge, there was always Caribbean influence, and I grew up in a sailing family. My grandfather was a sailing ship captain, and his his ports of call were from the Caribbean down to South America. So I grew up with stories and knowing geography and wanting to go there and figuring out a way to do it. I always thought I'd probably do it as a naval officer on a ship, but I never knew that I'd get to do it with a guitar. So that, that kind of worked out. But, you know, those kind of stories in 15 Cuban minutes was actually 
a good friend of mine who's, uh, whose family are from Cuba originally, and he's living in Miami now, but he, uh, his name is Enrico Marcione, and he's an actor. He, do you ever watch Bloodlines? He, he was in the first original couple of shows, but he, he's in a lot of other stuff. He's a longtime friend of my daughter's, and I met Enrique through him. And, and uh, I needed a, because uh, I'd, I'd been to Cuba because uh, uh, I went on some songwriting kind of exchange programs. And I also always loved the history of Key West and, and Cuba and the way it entered into my family. Because my grandfather, I said, is a sailing ship captain. My dad and my aunt were little babies, and they, they went with my grandmother on the ship in those days. And then there was a captain's house in Havana where they lived time to time. So I'd heard all those stories, too. So, you know, I, I thought, you know, there, there's so much. It's like any place else, but, you know, times aren't exactly uh, uh, rosy in Cuba right now. But, boy, they, they use their music as a, as a way to get them through it, which is like, you know, growing up on the Gulf Coast, Mardi Gras was the same thing to me. So, uh, and, and, you know, the pandemic now, it's the same thing. Everybody who's playing, I think, gets a sense of, uh, of what it means to other people to hear it. And they know, I, I know, speaking for myself, and I think most artists, we all want to get back and play to our fans as much as they want us to be there. Mm -hmm. and, and that's... A, and being able to share that like intimately, like with these things we're doing here, like some of our, our we, we've got a thing called the Cabin Fever Meet and Greet, a virtual show where we, we play on Fridays to uh, first responders and healthcare workers who are in the line of duty, but we know are fans. And that, again, we're going back to, you know, music really helps that whole thing. So, you know, in 15 Cuban minutes, the Cuban people, you know, there's not much else to do, but they dance themselves away. And Enrique knew about it and helped me with my Spanish and gave me some great little metaphors. Like there's always a birthday, but never any cake, but that's like a metaphor. So it is, it's like, you can, you have to laugh a little bit at the absurdity of, of serious things sometimes. And it yeah. helped. And I'd, I'd been on the Malacone and, and there's no, you know, nightlife there is people go out on the street, have a little rum, they dance on that big, beautiful street right on the edge of the Gulf Stream. And it's, it's pretty amazing to watch that in action. And that's where that song came from. And, and the title, at one point, Enrique's always a little late for things. And I was, we were going fishing or something. I went, you, come on, man, we're late. He said, I'll be there in 15 Cuban minutes. I went, what's that? He said, it's an hour, it's a day. And that's where <laughs> I got it from. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like when you hear about island time basically yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's that I, I don't want to push this in a direction maybe it wasn't meant to go but but kind of finishing my my point on something like that you know this is a story it's a really good story and it's a human story but considering you know when you when you look around the geopolitical nature whatever and the current administration is talking about immigration the way does this yeah. become a political song do you ever mean it to be a protest song in those ways no, I mean it to be, I just mean it to be that music has always been a part of social change. Uh, going back to the 60s as a hippie and Bob Dylan and the times they are changing, you could apply that to, to everything in the past decades that I've been alive. Each decade probably had some kind of horrible thing that we, that we needed to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just part of life. And, you know, I think we'll be better for it all. I really do. And, uh, and so... This song is, uh, I think of it, of it more as uh, of the way the Cubans do it. I mean, and it's, uh, but I wrote it as, as, I wrote it in a way for as many of my friends that live in Miami as I do with my friends in, in Havana, because they're all basically the same people. And eventually we all get back to that again, slack tide, you know, try and try to find those, 
you know, there's one line in Slack Tide that it was like, if you'll, uh, uh, if you'll cut me some uh, uh, slack, I'll do you a favor. Pull down that bottle of fine rum and together we will savor. That kind of says it for me. Yeah. You know, and if we could do that, that's our slack tie. Uh, you know, you said hippie culture and, and it's not far from um, surfer culture, uh, which, you know, as strong as ever uh, on this album and uh, sort, of, sort of sticking with the theme that we're going here. You know, yeah. here we are also in a big environmental conversations. You probably see this a lot more than we do uh, yeah. up here in Louisville. Or whatever but that conversation seems to be really happening again do you find that is encouraging you know when you've got Greta uh, doing her thing and and whatnot I do I, th- I think that technology and science is going to you know if we just let it happen you know there, plus there's if you look at it historically you've seen it there there's economical advantages to, to being socially responsible and environmentally responsible and uh, and it, you know and like Moore's law, everything changes every four years, everything ups and it ups, and you know, and, and as, a, as a pilot and, and, as, and as, a, as a real believer that going to space is not a useless uh, thing because everything we do today, you and I doing this Zoom con- concert came out of going to the moon and creating the technology to do that, you know, and I think a lot of people, and I, I'm one of those that says, you know, it's, it's kind of good that the the, the race to get a vaccine is like going to the moon, but, um, but it's, you know, but it, it's an e- evil enemy that we can't shoot guns at. So we got to figure out how to do it. And I, I'm glad to hear that though it's a race, everybody's sharing material and it seems to be going faster than people thought. And I'm, that's my hope. And environmentally, we look at it. Yeah. You know, clean energy is, is, is vital to, to our survival here. That's what I thought. Easy and said, and I appreciate that, uh, yeah. that coming from that as well. We'll go a little bit easier <laughs> on the topic right okay. now. Because, you know, I, I don't want to take away from the other side of this record. First of all, uh, I, I love that you start out the booklet with, uh, I think it was like, who the hell is Paul Brady? We're really familiar with Paul Brady <laughs> here in Louisville. Uh, at the WFBK, we're big fans of that song, The World Is What You Make It. And I, oh, hadn't even, I hadn't even looked at the track list when I hit play on the album. So it was quite a surprise when that song came up and I stopped and I went, wait a second. And yeah. then started doing the reading. What's the story with you and Paul? Because what an amazing songwriter. Um, I mean, see, I, I am. And one of the things about this that I'm so glad is this album is doing so well for, for Mac and for Udley, the producers have been with you forever. And Will Kimbrough, my, my fellow Mobilian, who's one of my go-to songwriter buddies. And Paul Brady came into the equation because of that song. I, I listened, uh, what happened was well, last year when we went to Europe, we go every year to Paris. We'll miss this year. We'll be back next year. But uh, this year we went to Dublin for the first time. We went back to London. We hadn't played in a while. So when I went to Ireland and like a lot of places, when you tour Australia, New Zealand, it, 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 and they, they make you as part of policy that you can't bring an opening act. You have to use a local uh, opening act, which I think is a, is a great thing to do. Yeah. So I, I didn't know whether that was that was going to apply to, to England or not, but I knew that in Ireland it was. So I, Martin Apple and I are old friends who go back a long way. <clears throat> and I was a fan before we became friends because I think he's one of the best songwriter guitar players that ever walked the planet. Absolutely. And, um, and in every genre of music, you know what I mean? One of my favorite albums is him and Chet Atkins doing duets together, you know? So I called him and I said, you know us and you know you know your band most of your bands from nashville when you go on the road and and eric dark and my percussionist is, is plays for for we got a lot of intermingling between our two bands and uh and i said you know 
who do you think? And before I got the sentence out, Kyle, he said, Paul Brady. And I went, I said, I, I know, I know he did an album with Bonnie Raitt. I know he, I knew him from, he had some Nashville connections with Jerry Douglas and some people and, mm-hmm. and Sharon Vaughn, who wrote one of the songs with him. And I said, okay. And then I started listening. And I was, I was in California at the time and I was kind of driving between town and going out to Malibu to surf. And I just kept putting it on. But the first, when I heard the world's what you make it, I went, that's such a simple statement without beating people over the head. But it is, it, you know, responsibility is ours. But I just love that song. We started doing that song on last year's tour uh, before, you know, before we went to, you know, December, before we went to, to Europe. And I started listening to the other stuff. And uh, Oceans of Time that he wrote, I just, I, and that's the song he wrote with Sheriff Vaughn, who's from Nashville. So, I mean, you know all these songs, but I was discovering what a great songwriter he was before I ever met him. We just had a, we had a, like a, a internet and a phone conversation setting it all up. So I'll tell you a real quick funny story. <clears throat> so after, after Mark told me about it, he, he gave me his numbers and I called and I finally got Paul on the phone. I said, you know, I got your number from Mark and, and uh, I, I asked him about, you know, and we're looking for an opening act and we're playing the Olympia in Dublin. And I didn't know if you were free, but we'd love to have you come open for us. And he, he started laughing in the phone. He went, oh, Jimmy, uh, 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 Olympia is a great place. You know, I don't know about opening. You see, the last time I did it, I did 10 sold out shows there. I mean, I went, hey, stupid. You know, <laughs> you know why didn't you look? At, and I went, and I know why, because he's so, he's, so, he's so connected and he's such a, a charming Irishman with an exquisite uh, knack for songwriting, which the Irish love. So when we met, we just, we immediately, it's like one of those friends that, you know, you meet the first time and you've known him 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's the way I felt about it. And he came out and did some pop-up shows with us in Dublin and, and in, in London. And then by the time I got back to the States, there was a tape for me <laughs> and it was, it was Lottie Da. And he wrote it thinking about me and he said, well, I don't know if I finished it right or all, but I said, well, yeah, I'd love, let me just play with it a little, little bit. So he started it and, uh, and I finished it. And when I heard it, I said, look, I was lucky enough to write a really good bar song. And this one, this one's right there with it. And it's, it's had that kind of reaction from other people too. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to really sell it. It'll do what it does, whether people play it or not. But boy, you know, I know that I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So when we were working on the set list for the Slack Tide tour, we were going to open the show with a brand new song because we thought people would be singing it by the time we got to the end of it. Absolutely. And that's how much I think of his songwriting. No, that, uh, that, that song is an instant uh, Buffett-style classic right there. I mean, what's, what, what's <laughs> well, the number you. you're up to? The, the classic, uh, was it 10, 12 now or something? So you gotta, you got to add one more. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, like, you can rotate. There's about 10 classics and there's a couple rotators in there. Mm-hmm. So I'd say 13 to 14, you got to swim around in that pool. Uh, <laughs> A lot, you know, you, you can go into the deep end occasionally, but you got to kind of stay in the shallow end to kind of do it. Cause you know, like I said, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't write these. I don't, that this is in the, the last song that, 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 that Mac and, and Mike Utley's uh, kids started writing a book on the shelf. And I, you know, I don't write them for me. I write them for you. I mean, that's the way I feel about it. And once those songs are out there, cause people get to make, you know, to use them in any way they want and, and to, to, to remind them of whatever, cause it's my, what, what, what the inspiration was to me uh, to write it in some way, if I connect up the inspiration is there, but everybody seems to have, you know, a, a place of their own where they heard that song and then you become part of 
of their remembrances of good times. And that's a nice transition, I think. Power of music right there, absolutely, over and over again. Yeah. I don't get tired. People say, you ever get tired of doing Margarita? I went, no, no, <laughs> no, because that, let's say, hey, it pays the rent, and that I'm not paid to get up there, and people are paying direct money to a performer to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So it is to me, it's never been as much about pleasing myself or doing what I want to do. My version of me on the stage. That's not what I'm there to do. I'm there to do your version of me. And occasionally, don't worry, I can still slip in a little, a little, you know, we got the, we've done this for long enough to know that we can place things. But interestingly enough, when we get around to doing this tour and we will get out there when, when it's safe and, you know, and when, when and where that is, it's going to be a hell of a first show. I'll tell you that. But we already were thinking about four slots for new songs for this album, which we had never done before. That because to me, it's got to be familiarity and energy is the way you write a set list to pick people up and down energy wise. But they also want to hear stuff that they're familiar with. But I thought getting new stuff in there, these are songs that people are going to pick up. Because when I was first testing it out and sending it to people, uh, that's what that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I knew we had that. So we figured that we had four slots for new songs in, in a 26 song show, but we could put eight songs and rotate them in there. That's the way we really felt about it. And we'll see. Yeah, I think it'll happen. But now everybody, everybody will know those eight songs. So that's good. And it's funny the way you're talking about those older songs, too, because to get very meta for a second, you've sort of wrote a song about that in Mailbox Money. And that's one of the things where I saw the title and I laughed out loud because reading about it, you said you'd first heard that term in Nashville. Yeah. Where I first heard that term. Mine was from uh, the the country songwriter, uh, Bud Lee, Earl Bud Lee. I remember Bud Lee, yeah. He told me about Mailbox Money. And and, and now I bring that up. I mean, you know, it's a bit of inside baseball for anybody who doesn't know. This is your The first person that mentioned it to me was, you know, when I, in my first run through of Nashville, you know, uh, I had one unsuccessful marriage and three or four unsuccessful careers before I made it out of there. (laughs) And I had to go to Key West to do that. So, uh, but at one time, the great thing about the earlier years is I try to I try to pass on to to young performers and, and writers, but more so for for performers because you have to be you have to be really ready for uh, for rejection and for failures because that is a part of the road to success, a huge part of the road to be able to deal with that. And those first years, yeah, I'll, you know, but I I met Harlan Howard. He came to like a when I was playing the exit in, he came among a couple of songwriters, John Loudermilk and Billy Ed Wheeler. Those are guys who were there when I was there that are more folkies than anything else, but they had a home in Nashville. And, you know, listen, listening to those guys talk about and, and knowing their songs that I did in my set list playing on Bourbon Street, Tobacco Road, Jackson, uh, you know, uh, Harlan Howard, come on, you know, everything out there. But they wound up coming to my shows and it was How- Harlan Howard that mentioned I thought he was the, the ideal mailbox money guy that was, was so good at it, but he loved to come and perform in a little kind of uh, but this is before the bluebird. So this exit in was it, he'd come play. And he was an incredible solo performer. You know, you'd think, and he didn't really, he wasn't really, but he was wonderful at it. So, but uh, mailbox money was, and I thought, man, I just want to be a mailbox money guy, you know? I realized now nah, I'm really a performer. <laughs> so when I got when I got to it, and that's when I called Will Kimbrough, and uh, I said, "So, and I got this idea to write a song because we got the idea of talking about it 
it was Mac and I were in, in the studio with Kenny Chesney and we were doing the backgrounds to Caroline Jones's Gulf Coast Girl. And in the middle of three of us sitting in a booth, just, you know, shooting a bull, we start talking about something and mailbox money came up. We just started talking about it. And I took that out of the booth and I started writing and I told Mac, I said, you know, I got this idea that about mailbox money, but, and I'd just been back to, to Alabama to see my sister. And I said, you know, the only mail boat left in America is in Magnolia Springs, Alabama. So what if the guy has a mailbox, but it's delivered by the mailboat? <laughs> and I said, what if the guy decides he's got so much mailbox money and the mailman retires, so he becomes the mailman riding the mailbox to deliver him his mailbox riding. The, he's the mailman driving the mailboat, delivering his own mailbox money. <laughs> and that's, I can't, but that's what, then I went to Will Kimbrough and I said, we need to take this to the Gulf Coast. And you know that as good as I do. And, and he did it. And so I love that song. I can't wait to play that song. You know, it, I play it right now, just a little acoustic part of it. And, uh, and I know that river very well, you know, and so, uh, and, and I, I just think, and then again, if you listen to that, pick, that's a little bit of that Chet, you know, Nopla kind of style of picking that, that, that Chet Atkins kind of groove. That's a little tribute to them. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up one more name that kind of goes along with that too, because a uh, mutual friend of your mind, the late great Tim Kreckle, uh, he, had oh, told, yeah. me, he had told me one time about, uh, you know, if you can, if you can get just one hit every 10 years, your mailbox money will take care of itself for life. So it's, you know. <laughs> well, Tim Kreckle played with us for a long, long time. And he was one of the great, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing to still be here at this time, Kyle. But think about, you know, at one point, I look at all the wonderful people that have come through the Coral Reefer Band. Uh, and if you look at the list, it's, it's quite shocking at times, you know, from, from Tim, Tim, God, Tim played with us for a long time. Then he went out and wanted to do his own thing. But we always remained friends. And, you know, Steve Cropper played one year. Uh, Timmy Schmidt was in the, the Memphis Horns. Uh, and the people that are still there now, uh, we, you know, Larry Lee played in, in, in the band. But there are a lot of people have come through the Coral Reefer Band. Two of the meters from New Orleans were in the band at one time. So I just love, like, having that cultural diversity in the band of people, of, of music from everywhere. Because, again, you know, growing up on the Gulf Coast and going to New Orleans and really being, uh, you know, my, my music at the time went from, like, Hank Williams to, uh, you know, uh, Fats Domino. And that's what I listened to between that. And, you know, I think it shows. <laughs> Somewhere between all that, I'm, I'm wiggling around. It's made for great music over and over and over. Uh, so we know, obviously, the touring doesn't happen until the touring eventually happens. You had mentioned you've been doing these, uh, uh, these Zoom concerts and chats with, uh, with uh, frontline medical workers. Are those yeah. still continuing? Do you still have more of those? Yeah, we, we're going to start them back up again because uh, we – we just uh, some up. We had to do some other things. We kind of had to put it on hold for a little while. Once I had to move back from West Coast here, that was the main thing because I'd been in California when this happened. My, I have two kids out there, and I was out there visiting them. And we have a little place there that my wife likes to spend more of the winter out there. And so we were there. And then once it happened, uh, it was you know one of the silver linings of this whole thing was I got to spend a whole lot of more time with two of my kids than I probably would have ever done for the rest of my life had this not happened. And it was wonderful doing that. And so, but coming back and getting reestablished here, that, that took some time out of it. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go back to doing them. And then, um, and, and we're looking at some other ideas of, uh, of finding safe places where we can play 
in, in the virtual world now. So where we could still play to, you know, I, I'll give the same show to two people that I will to 20,000 people. That's just the way I feel about it. And people ask me, what would it be like not anybody not coming to the theory? I went, I've been there. I've done it. I've gone and done a show and nobody showed up. And they went, and I said, well, the owners said, play for the bartenders and the waitresses. And I did, you know? And so I believe that having had that experience that a little bit of human feedback with a few people there can translate virtually. So we're going to, we're looking at trying to keep, keep uh, doing things for first responders and, and, uh, and healthcare workers that, you know, cause a zoom is, is, is a finite number of things you can do. You can't overdo it. And, but, Again, we've got Margaritaville TV and radio that we, you know, we started a long time ago. We can use those existing platforms to get this out. And, you know, we're, we're read running shows. We've taped everything for 30 years. And so we, we kind of put together with, uh, with my, my video department what we thought were the best shows out there. And, and we've been putting them up. Uh, twice a week and they average 55,000 people a night are, are watching. So you've still got people captive and with all the spikes going on, it doesn't look like people are going to, we got to get control of this thing. It looks like, and then go try it again, going back out, but not as crazy as some people did in the past. So it's still, you've still got a pretty captive audience. And we know that from our, our fans, because in our case, they knew we weren't coming back out to play at least till the spring and hopefully by then. And so they already figured out that the money they'd have spent going to get a ticket, they bought a new barbecue or they got, or they got the backyard set up. So they're tailgating in their backyards. And we know that from them telling us. And we're playing right to that market. Yep. That's what we're doing. Because, and I know from a lot of people, and to say that 50,000 or 100,000 people a week are tuning in, it's a lot of people. And they're kind of happy with that because I don't want to give them a half-ass show because you know, if you can't tailgate going to Jimmy Buffett show, what are you going to start with? You know, and I'm very aware of that. And that's part of the whole thing. So I think we got to be wholly ourselves in every aspect of touring before we go back up there. And I have a pretty good idea that our wonderful fans will wait for that. And in the meantime, we'll do as much as we can to give them a, a, a fun in their backyards. <laughs> I know they appreciate it. Uh, I'll wrap up with this one. Uh, do you think, which do you think we'll see first? Um, you and the band back on stage or the heat back on the court? You know, <laughs> I think you're going you're gonna to see me back on the stage before the heat get back on the court. But, uh, uh, man, I, I was so we're looking forward to that system because you're, you're Kentucky – your Kentucky kid, uh, hero is we we had and then we had some great Kentucky we had some great Kentucky players on that team. Not to not to put Louisville aside, but man, I was looking forward to this season. But you know they'll play when they're ready. But I I think we'll get on stage before them. Before it happens, <laughs> you might be right. You really might be. I think you will be. Uh, honestly, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they get back too. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk about this today. Life on the flip side, seriously, you've made a classic record. Uh, that's not thank easy to do, much, and you've absolutely done it. Well, thanks for a great interview. It's really, it's really been great. I, I, you know, sometimes you get people and you do them, and then you know, you, it's like when I do, do TV ones when I had the book, and they go, "Well, Jimmy, tell us what this is all about." And you'd go, "He didn't read it." <laughs> didn't read it. <laughs> but thanks for thanks for a great great kind of. Uh, throw a wide net there of things and I just really enjoy doing it and talking to you and, and all the best. Same to you. Likewise, take care. Okay, take care. Fins up. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.
My thanks, Jimmy Buffett. The brand new record is called Life on the Flip Side. It's a lot of fun. you got to check it out. Thanks to Jimmy. Thanks to you for listening to this episode. Uh, again, before you get out of here, I do hope you hit the uh, the subscribe button so you can keep up with us here. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, any of the places you get your podcasts from, just uh, hit subscribe. You'll get new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Speaking of YouTube, it's actually a video version of this interview on YouTube. So if you head over there and, uh, and search Kyle Meredith with Jimmy Buffett, you can actually see what you just heard. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can find me on the social media spots as well, at Kyle Meredith. Do hope you uh, like and follow in those spots. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.